Well, hello there, Wardville Community Church. It's Monday, August the 7th, 2023. This is In the Know, episode 77. August the 9th, this Wednesday night, there's a women's gathering happening at Our House, 255 Bob Frazier Road, Camp Bob Frazier Spa Farm and Resort is what I've been told it's called, and I think it may be something else as well. Six o'clock, there's a baked potato bar. August the 16th is the men's gathering. That's next Wednesday. Location is TBD, but that will happen at 6.30. More details to follow. August the 13th, an interest and planning meeting for the fall festival immediately after the morning service. August 18th, we're having the quad bash at LCU from 6.30 to 8 p.m. That's a Friday night, 6.30 to 8. If you're able to participate, then please um, let me know and we'll get you signed up to help with our booth and meet some of those incoming freshmen. August the 20th, we're having a church family picnic at Keys Park at 4 p.m. Bring a picnic to feed your family plus one additional person. September 3rd, the Visionary Parenting class begins. It will run from 4 to 6 p.m. for eight weeks. It's $15 for the book. You only need to sign up. Child care is fully provided. Please text Rebecca Christian to sign up. And finally, September 17th, we're having a baby dedication in the morning service. So sign up with Rebecca Christian. So today's sermon follow-up is just three quotes, three quotations. Um, And one was one that I shared in the sermon yesterday and promised to put it in today. And I'm not going to reread that one here. If you're interested in seeing it again, you can go there. It's, It's where William Barclay is talking about Numbers 28. What I want to talk about for a moment is if you're interested, because for a few weeks we've been talking about the daily, weekly, monthly, yearly sacrifices. If you're interested in seeing all the offerings that were offered throughout the year, every day, month, week, and year, day, week, month, year, they are in numbers 28 and 29. The headings are really helpful there to help you know where you are on the calendar. And as you read, keep two different things in mind. Number one, on the one hand, there's a beauty and a liturgy to this. God graciously built in a rhythm for the people so that they were reminded of his presence, holiness, and goodness every day, week, month, and year in various ways. Their entire calendar was ordered around the worship of Yahweh and thus focused their entire lives around being his people. Like that was a good thing. On the other hand, as Barclay says in his quote, there was a treadmill of sorts to this where these sacrifices were made repeatedly throughout Israel's history, but never availed for the forgiveness and reconciliation the people truly needed with God. Thus, a greater sacrifice was necessary. So as you read, praise God that we have that in Christ. I want to share a little bit about um, 
another author, Philip Hughes's quotations or, or his his discussion of quotations from the Old Testament. We've been talking about some things like that every now and then. Like in the last couple, last few different um, newsletters, I've talked a little bit about this, um, how the Greek Old Testament was used in a lot of these places. Um, one of the issues actually that arises in yesterday's text is how the author seems actually to paraphrase instead of directly quoting the verse from Jeremiah 31. So it isn't like he used the Hebrew and then the Greek later, or he used the Greek instead of the Hebrew. It's it's that he he actually has quoted from the Greek in chapter 8, and then he like paraphrases his own quotation of chapter 8. It may make us uncomfortable that the meaning and the significance of the text was more important, or it seems that way anyway, to this author, than a slavish devotion to capturing the exact wording. We need to remember, however, that this was not a word-for-word translation that was taking place, but an exposition. Just like how in my sermons, I sometimes unknowingly will quote the NASB or the CSB or the KJV or the ESV, and other times I will simply use a substitute word to give the sense of what's being said that doesn't appear in any of the major translations. And it's like this author is kind of doing that. He's capturing the sense, the meaning of what is said, and is more concerned with that even than getting every letter, comma, and word correct from the Greek translation. And he is doing so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Here is a quote from P.E. Hughes on that point that I actually found very helpful this week. He says this, The fact that this quotation does not correspond word for word with Jeremiah 31, 33 and following, or even for that matter, with the text of his own quotation in chapter 8 above, demonstrates once again that the sense of the words is of primary importance, not a slavish adherence to each single word. Indeed, a wooden literalism, in effect, rules out the legitimacy and even the possibility of a translation and exegesis interpretation. And that, and that variations in the quotation of a particular passage do not necessarily suppose variations in loyalty to the original revelation. Moreover, if, as the church has classically believed, our author is writing under the guidance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it follows that the Holy Spirit himself is not, so to speak, bound by pedantic notions of verbal punctiliousness, but is concerned rather with the understanding and application of the truth of which he is the source. In brief, our author, writing in harmony with the mind of the Spirit, embraces the truth and authenticity of Jeremiah's prophecy of the New Covenant and is silent on emphasizing particular aspects of that prophecy for the benefit of those to whom he is writing, without in any way doing violence to the message of Jeremiah. And I want to share one more Philip Hughes quote. I shared this over the weekend on the church's Facebook, but it was so good that I also wanted to be able to encourage 
those who may not have seen it for whatever reason, but read the newsletter. This is what he says. Just hear the benefits of the new covenant. The terms of this new covenant make full provision for the past as well as for the future. Not only are God's laws implanted in the hearts of his redeemed so that they are able at last to glorify him by spontaneous obedience to his will, but also the rebellion of their past unregenerate lives is removed from his remembrance. Their guilty conscience is purged by virtue of the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish on their behalf. For God to remember our sins no more is the same as for him to forgive them. And obviously, sins effectively dealt with in this way, fully forgiven and put out of sight, so different from the situation under the Levitical system, have no need of further propitiation. And so as I read that, I'm just reminded of Psalm 103, verses 2 through 4. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Amen. Have a great week. I love you people.